Welcome back to the Vet SOS podcast brought to you by the Who You Know Network. Vet SOS is a proud member and glad to be supported by the Parade Deck community. Remember, don't drown in the sea of transition. Grab the Vet SOS lifeline. Eric, you got to get ready for a twofer, buddy. We got, I'm ready, we got dude. I've got, listen, this is my third episodes. cup of coffee. Third <laughs> cup of coffee, dude. I'm ready to rock and roll. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. We got Chris Lancia here with us today for two episodes. He's going to be talking to us about a great program with Tennessee Governor's Veteran Fellowship Program. And he's going to be talking to us about the Travis Manion Foundation and organization doing great things in our community. As always, I'm here with my, my co-host, Eric. Eric, how are you doing today? Dude, if I was any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> this is a great day. Look, man, college football's back. We're on the podcast. Like, we're talking to great people about great programs. Nothing gets better. I brought notes. Like, I'm ready to take notes. I'm I'm all in, dude. Let's get let's get after it. <laughs> a great day to be twins because we got two episodes. Here we go. They can each do one of the episodes. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna jump right into it. Chris has more than 25 years of service in the United States Army and is currently a Tennessee Governor's Veteran Fellow working on military and veteran initiatives for the state of Tennessee. Chris has served in the nonprofit space for more than a decade, serving in volunteer leadership roles with multiple veteran service organizations. He's a graduate of the George W. Bush Institute Stand To Veteran Leadership Program and the Travis Manion Foundation Spartan Leadership Program. And he's also the co-founder of Grid Square Recon LLC, which aims to create a sense of belonging for military families by connecting them with the communities surrounding military installations and is, and is on the board of directors for Two Ravens Foundation, a veteran-focused equine therapy nonprofit. Apparently, Chris, you got a lot of time on your hands. Um, we, we, <laughs> we, I, I fully understand. It happens quick. And next thing you know, you, you got your hands in several different organizations. But love the fact that you're giving back. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. I appreciate it. You guys having, uh, you know, bringing me on, giving me the opportunity here. And uh, yeah, to your point about time, yeah, it, it's interesting when we have these conversations. Uh, I think you're right. When we, we get talking about folks with a heart of service, it's hard for us to say no when those things come up. Um, but you're absolutely right. Suddenly you're sitting there at nine o'clock at night going over like board minute meetings and your RC meetings, minutes, excuse me. And you're like, man, what time is it? You know, <laughs> but it feels, you know, you, it doesn't feel like work because of the impact you're making you know, on the community. Um, and so I think it's something that for most of us, we're willing to give that time because, you know, it, it, it provides that fill in our cup sense of purpose that we need. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let, let's start, start at the beginning. You did 25 years in, or plus in the army. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, your military career and your transition that you went through when you left the military. Yeah. So interestingly, uh, I transitioned twice. And so uh, I, I came in as a uh, as a 17 year old and was a Blackhawk crew chief starting out. Uh, my father was also in the army, so it was just kind of one of those, uh, you know, as as so many of us, it was you know a family business type thing. Um, but uh, met my wife, foreign service, had our, our first two kids, and that was uh, I, I did nine years in that first stint. Got out to go back to school, um, you know, see if the grass is greener on the other side, uh, all that sort of stuff, you know, and. Uh, Graduated college and started working as a journalist. Did that for full time for probably about two and a half, three years. Um, and we were in Savannah, Georgia. So, you know, third, third IDs down there. You always, you're seeing people in uniform all the time. And so that pull to put the uniform back on, it was always there. Um, and then one day my wife and I looked at pay scales and realized that uh, if I came back in as, as an E4, <laughs> I'd be making more than I was making as a print journalist. So that played a role. <laughs> wow. Um, 
Yeah. So that was uh, that was 2007 when I came back on active duty, and uh, the goal there was you know to to pursue a commission through OCS, and uh, so I was able to do that about three years later, and uh, then spent some time as a logistics officer, uh, which was you know it was amazing opportunities because. As a part of that, I got to serve in the, the 160th uh, Special Operations Aviation Regiment. And uh, it's just a, a very unique unit filled with some incredibly competent people. And so, you know, they, it's that thing of the, uh, the, the iron sharpens iron kind of thing. Being around folks like that makes you want to be better at, at what you do every day. Um, and then uh, that led into my final job, which was as a public affairs officer. And uh, fortunately, I was able to do that with the 160th. Um, and so it took that, you know, that communications background as a journalist and allowed me to, to leverage that. Um, yeah, and that took us to where we are here. So it's, it's been, been quite a ride. <laughs> oh, so wow. It, you and you and Eric, I think both got to uh, transition twice. Um, it, was there a difference between your transitions? You know, did, did, was there something you learned from the first one that you applied the second one? Was it just a difference in resources? So it's, it's interesting because the program has changed completely. My right. first time doing transition was 2001. Um, and, and back then, um, you know, it was, I guess it was less um, regimented, if, if you will, in a way. Right. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm, and I'm, I don't remember for sure whether or not it was still a mandatory thing back then, like it is now. <laughs> um, but, uh, but there were some interesting things there. Like one, one thing that, we don't do now that we were doing then, which I thought was awesome is they would have a, uh, for lack of a better term, like a stylist come in. Right. But talking about clothing. Right. And the idea there was like, Hey, you spent, whether it was four years or 24 years, right. You've known exactly what to wear to work every day. Right. You haven't had to figure that out. And so come in and Hey, wear your best, you know, suit, wear your Sunday best, whatever, you know, and let's talk through, you know, uh, you know, what's appropriate. Cause we, we'd have guys show up and they were in the suit they wore, you know, to high school graduation, you know, and it was like, okay, so pleats aren't in anymore, you know, like, but going through that and um, going, looking at, hey, if you go to an interview and you look, you know, unprofessional because you're just out of touch with what to wear, because you just don't know, because you haven't had to look at that, um, you know, trying to prepare you for that as well. Um, so that, that was kind of interesting. And that was just one small thing that was different. Um, but this time around, I think another piece of it is, you know, and it's technology wise more than anything, but the ability to do the networking, to have podcasts like this, where you can actually learn from people who either have gone through the process and have already, you know, run into some of the obstacles that you're going to see and can help you overcome them. Um, or, you know, maybe never serve, but are just there to try and help make your transition more successful. All right. And I think that's a huge difference too, is back then the networking piece really was, you know, word of mouth and who you knew, um, you know, and localized. Whereas now it's like, and you can have somebody on LinkedIn that you can ask a question of that, you know, lives 3000 miles away, but can help you solve that obstacle you're running into. Yep. Absolutely. So wow. uh, that, that's, I actually just made this comment last week. I did not realize because I wore, you know, army uniform for 20 years. I didn't realize how messy of an eater I am. <laughs> I've ruined a lot of shirts since I've gotten out of the military. And then, you know, I have to just retrain myself because with camo, it, it all blends in. It doesn't matter if you drop something on your uniform. So well, that's just wearing it for sure. And it's like you're wearing a tie, right? Like in uniform, you don't wear a tie, you don't have to worry about it, right? But if you're eating a plate of barbecue at lunch and your tie dips in your barbecue oh, sauce, like, well, you know, I never had to worry about that before. <laughs> that's awesome. 
All right, so let, let's jump into the Tennessee Governor's Veteran Fellowship Program. Tell us, tell us what this is and and, and why it's going to be so beneficial to us in, in the veteran community. Okay, yeah. So this started about two years ago. We had a group of uh, folks who were you know were passionate about veteran advocacy and uh, just military connected folks in general because we talked about military spouses as well and some of the employment challenges that they face. And the goal there was. Um, really how do we make tennessee and it sounds like a catchphrase and i guess it is but how do we make tennessee a destination of choice for veterans and their families right um and the family part being the big one because i think that's something that many of us we we can overlook that part you know and again going back to like we we're talking with what you wear you know we spent 20 years or again you know four years or with the military telling you where you're going to live like what job you're going to have um you know and things like that and so now we have a choice Right. But during our military service, we didn't get that choice to say, hey, you know, spouse, kids, like, where would you like to live? Right. And, and think that through. Um, and so you know, that was part of that, too, is how do we make sure we're considering all of the things that make it attractive for you to want to bring your family to the state? Um, so that led into a, a couple of things. And um, the easiest one for us to get kicked off right away was a veteran fellowship program. So the state of Tennessee already has a management fellowship program that's run through the governor's office. And that one's designed for recent college graduates. They come in and they get some professional experience. Um, some of them will either already have an MBA or be pursuing one um, or going on some sort of a grad school opportunity. Uh, but they spent two years in that program, you know, really getting their feet wet in what state government looks like and how it operates. And so we were able to take that model and utilize it to build one for veterans. And so the, the goal for this became, how do we make this a landing pad for veterans to, to come in here um, and really look at what it looks like to work shifting from the federal government to the state government and carry your, your talents into the workforce? Uh, because we've seen a lot that, you know, in, this, in state government, there are a lot of people that haven't ever had the benefits that we had in military service of having people invest in us and how to be a leader. You know, I mean, we, we literally, as we go through our career, you know, we're going to schools that specifically teach you leadership techniques, you know, and how to do those things, management techniques. We get a lot of experience and a lot of opportunity um, that our civilian peer may not have ever had. Right. And that's something that when you get into some of the very technical aspects of the civilian workforce, there are people that are like, we use an engineer as an example, might be an incredible engineer and loves being an engineer and wants to be an engineer, but in order to progress, they get told they have to be a department head and, you know, they may not want to do that and they probably don't have the skill set because they've never had anyone invest in them the opportunity to get ready for that. And so that's a place where we, we think that we can bring some veterans in and really make a difference um, in that area. Um, so the, the fellowship program itself is a 12 month program. And it's split into you know, it's split into three phases. And so the first phase uh, is uh, you come in, and it's basically getting to know state government, for lack of a better term. And so you're going to have a, a host agency, and uh, what we do in the interview process is we try and figure out where we think that fellow will fit, where their you know what fits their why, um, you know what fits their skill set, uh, because we understand that when you get on the civilian side as well, it's not just simply do I want to do that job. Right. That department, that agency has to also think I'm a fit both with skill set, but also with personality. Right. All right. And so trying to identify that spot, get them in there. Um, and then, you know, you that four month period in that phase one, you're doing an executive leadership team meeting with all 23 state level agencies. And so, yeah, so the level of access there 
is off the charts because there are people that work in a department in the state um, for 10 years and never meet the commissioner. And our veteran fellows are going to meet the commissioner of every department in the first four months of the program. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. Wow. So it, it, it's incredible, right? And like I said, that level of access is just off the charts. Um, but it's given us the opportunity to have that um, that knowledge base right from the top of where their strategic goals are, what they, they find important, um, because that's something again that I think we've learned in our military service that you know those things do get fed top down. Right. And so being able to go, hey, this is the commissioner. He or she says, these are my four strategic goals for the next year. Now I can start digging in and figuring out, you know, where I think I can leverage my talent set to help them achieve that. Right. And help that department be better at what they do. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, and then so phase two, once you've, you've done all that, uh, phase two is basically doing some project work. And so uh, what we've been averaging with the fellows in the pilot phase is about three departments that they'll work with, um, playing a significant role, but not really leading a project. Uh, and then with the, the goal of moving into phase three of having whittled that down to really one department, one line of effort that you think like aligns again with your why and what you're doing um, with the goal of you know full-time employment. Uh, so that I think one of the big things that makes this really, really interesting is, you know, and, and you guys see it and, you know, I've heard it on the show before people talk about so many of us make a second, sometimes a third shift after we leave the service, because we, we do, we do the right things. We have the cups of coffee, you know, we do the networking we think this sounds great, but you don't really know until you're in it and doing it day to day. And then you find out, ah, okay, this may not be what I wanted to do. Um, and, but now you're doing a transition again, you don't have a support system. Right. So the cool part with this program is you get to do that while you're in the program. Right. And figure out where it lies. And those transitions, you know, are not, hey, I just lost my paycheck. I just lost my benefits like, because we just go, OK, that department's not working. Let's pick you up, ship you over here, you know, insert you into another department where we think you align um, and try it again. Right. And the fellows get the opportunity to have, um, you know, that experience without having to feel like the world just fell apart around them. Uh, because they're, you know, they're unemployed and out of work and you now feeling like they're a statistic. So, um, yeah. So I feel like I've been talking a long time about it, but that's pretty much the, you know, the, 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 the wrap around it. So it's pretty interesting. That's an, that's an incredible program, Chris. I do have a question about the program though, because, and forgive me for my ignorance, right. But that's, I guess that's why we have you on the show. Um, when it comes to the veteran fellowship program, is that a transitioning service member only, or is that a veteran at any stage of life? So let's say my wife and I want to pack it up and move it from Georgia to Tennessee. I've been out for three years. I'm a retiree. Do I get the same opportunity to come in and say, Hey, I want to do this fellowship program. So right now it's a transition program only. Okay. And so we're working with hiring our heroes as the entry vehicle. Um, and so you come in as a skill bridge intern, right. And uh, you get to, to work through it that way. Um, the, so our, our long, long-term goal is to have six fellows a year. And eventually we do want to be able to open it up, you know, and kind of have that, that wide ranging, uh, Hey, you've been out three years, but you're a great fit, right? Drop an application and, and come be considered. Um, because again, it's back to that fit, right? What's best for the state of Tennessee and also yep. best for that veteran, right? And how do we, how do we make that match? Um, but yeah, right now it's, it's just coming in right out of the bat. Um, and one thing I didn't mention that again, makes this very unique is, uh, there's a lot of programs that people are like, hey, come do this thing. It's awesome. But uh, there's no funding behind it. So the state of Tennessee put their money where their mouth is and funded this program. So it's a 12 month program. 
And once you're on your, uh, you know, your transition leave, you actually can start drawing a paycheck. And so it's wow. a paid fellowship, you know, so you come in and you do say, you know, say you do your, your three or four month skill bridge, then you go on transition leave, right? At that point, the state of Tennessee will start to pay you for the rest of that 12 months. Um, so it really removes that financial burden that a lot of us face when we're trying to make that transition and make the choice um, and like, you know, lays it out there. And then what we, when we talk to the fellows, how we explain it is, hey, we're opening the door, all right? Now it's up to you, right? You got to come through the door and actually make yourself known in the room, right? We can't help you get that full-time job. We're not going to guarantee you anything. Um, but it's a door that for so many of us, we didn't ever get opened and we had to figure out how to get in the room ourselves. That's incredible. So what is, what is your role within the program? So I started out very interesting. I started out as a fellow, um, you know, uh, and, and doing that. And now, um, cause I'm, I'm still, uh, preparing to, to retire from the army. So I'm still drawing an active paycheck as I do my transition. Um, and then what we're doing right now though, is I, I've, I've already been offered the position to, to run the program. And so my fellowship experience has shifted from doing some of what, you know, our fellows are all doing to actually my fellowship role being, um, you know, running the program. Um, and so it's been, it's been awesome to get that, uh, you know, that trust. Um, and mm. it's, it's been, again, back to something that's very unique is, you know, I got the trust from some leadership within the state to say, Hey, you're the guy, you know, uh, we get it that you're not available yet. Um, uh, but we're not looking for somebody else. Right. And so that's something that so many of us, when we can't answer that question of, Hey, I can start one October, you know, like that, many companies go, Hey man, I can't wait. Like I have to have someone in this role. Um, so I've been very fortunate. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's led to two things for me. And so, uh, we've, we've created a, a position and it's, uh, it's called the director of military and veteran initiatives for the state of Tennessee. And so the fellowship will fall underneath that realm. Um, and the second part of that is, uh, it'll be running the serving as the chief of staff for the governor's armed forces council, uh, because in July of this year, Governor Lee signed an executive order to reconstitute our Armed Forces Council and start to try and get the meat back behind it um, so that we can really put some effort into, you know, the veteran and military initiatives in the state and get things moving along that world. Because um, we've had people doing great work in that area for a long time, but we haven't had a really consolidated effort to make sure that those conversations turn into policy and, and things like that. It's mm. awesome. First of all, congratulations, dude. Like yeah. that's. Huge. Oh, thanks. That's that's and 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 I I just have to say, Chris, like on behalf of someone who doesn't live in Tennessee, Tennessee did it right, right? Like I think they picked the right guy. I also think that there's a lot some other states could learn from Tennessee, and I think that's I think you have an opportunity here, dude, to to set to be at the pointy end of the spear, right? And that's that's yeah. something that's super exciting um, for 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 our veteran community. Um, as you have navigated this process. What challenges have you seen that fellows face as they've transitioned? And then do you have any deliberate, deliberate efforts there um, in place to help out? Yeah. And, and I think the biggest one, it kind of goes off like we were talking earlier, you know, when we were, um, you know, joking about, you know, apparel and stuff like that. Um, but that's been a lot of the cultural fit, right? Like mm -hmm. we're just not used to that part. Um, and so there's been a few things we put in. One, uh, we have some executive coaching that we set up for the fellows. And so once a month, they'll meet with a coach um, to talk through, you know, someone who's who's either 
a veteran who has gone through the transition themselves and, you know, it's been a while and they've kind of, you know, had a chance to navigate it and figure it out. Um, or oftentimes a coach who never served, but has been a professional on the civilian side, you know, for 20 years. Right. Um, because I think that's something that we often undervalue is, you know, bringing in those allies to help us, you know, someone that's been doing it for a long time and go, Hey, can you teach me? Right. Like, cause I need to learn this skill. Um, and so that's, that's one part. Um, and then, what we've done, and this is something that's fairly recent, is when we do our interview process for the fellows, uh, we make it clear. So well, we're going to do two in-person interviews with, with each of them. And we, we the explanation of them is, hey, this is not a gotcha, if you come in here and mess this up, you're not going to get the job, right, kind of a thing. These interviews are designed partly for, yeah, you'd have to come in there and present well because, you know, we, we don't want some knucklehead coming in here and, and representing the governor, right? Um, but at the same time, we also want you to have that experience because if you've never done an actual civilian interview and the first time we ask you to do that is when there's a full-time job on the line, right? Then we've kind of set you up, you know, to not be as successful as we could. So we, we tailor these interviews um, to be able to have that experience where you come in, it's a little bit low stress, you know, and uh, you're able to get those experience of having a couple of those under your belt. So when it comes time, six months from now, eight months from now, whenever that that opportunity pops up for you with the state, the first time you walk in that room, you're not, you know, and I'll say you don't have the anxiety because there's always some anxiety, but it's a little bit less because you feel at least, hey, I've done this before. I'm a little more comfortable in it. You know, it's not going to be as as, uh, as daunting as I thought it might be. That's great. Love it. Absolutely love it. That Sorry. that that prep is is so big. That that's uh, man. So, Eric, you mentioned something about other states learning. Chris, when you and I talked, are aren't there some states that you've actually are are looking at the program or have started to implement parts of the program? We've had a couple reach out. Um, so I know like Kentucky, cause they're right next to us and, you know, we work hand in hand with them because of Fort Campbell, uh, you know, it straddles that state line. Um, and uh, so we talked to them a little bit about it. One of the, the challenges for some other states just becomes the logistics of it, right? We're fortunate that we've got military installations within an hour of the Capitol. And so if we ask someone to do a skill bridge, it's not a huge thing. Um, not every state has that. For some, you know, if you're asking somebody to, to do a three hour commute or like to move in order to do this, right? There's some challenges there that they have to overcome. Um, but we've made it clear to your, your point, Eric, is like, hey, we're building a playbook, but it's not for us, right? Like right. if you guys want the playbook, reach out, we're happy to send it to you. And, you know, you take it, tailor it, um, use some of it, you know, use none of it, whatever, right? But we'll send you the playbook and, and you guys can figure out how it works in your state. Um, and one thing we're looking at now, and this is early, we haven't really had a chance to, to, uh, to implement a ton of this, but looking at how we do this on a, a more local level. And so what we're saying, we're looking at that is, okay, so the state has one under the governor's office. Um, so now you have that state level. So if we can get a county mayor or a city mayor, um, you know, to do something like this and, you know, and yet yeah, they're not going to have six, right? Maybe they have one, maybe they have two, right? Um, but they have the opportunity to do something similar. And then, you know, we tie them in with the state one and maybe we get together, you know, once a quarter, you know, and have the fellows across the state come together and, and discuss like, hey, let's talk about the challenges that we've all faced um, and how we overcame them. Um, but it's the same thing, like the playbook is there. And now how do we get it into different areas? Um, you know, because there, there are fellows, or, I'm sorry, you know, service members transitioning who would love to be in that, that spot where I'm serving someone, right? Yeah. Because, you know, we, and, and I, you've had people on the show talk about this, you know, you take off that, you know, the uniform and suddenly, 
that thing that was over your heart every day, you knew exactly what you were serving and what you were doing, right? That loss of identity can be big, but being able to go, hey man, like you still can have that purpose and service. We're just going to shift you to serving the citizens of Tennessee or the citizens of your county or whatever it might be, right? And let you continue feeling like you're a part of something bigger than yourself. You didn't lose all of that, right? And take all that talent that you developed in the military and continue to leverage it you know, to serve others. Um, so yeah, so there's some stuff there that I think we're looking at that it will be amazing and uh, just seeing where all that goes. Um, but that that whole like, you know, tie there of bringing all that together, I think uh, provides some huge opportunities uh, that will allow veterans to have different things, you know, different, different levels of opportunity, I guess, to look at um, as they move forward. Uh, absolutely. And what I, what I really love about that mayor, that, you know, mayor county ideas, that would afford people to go back home if that's what they wanted to do. Yeah. And, and you know, really get involved in their home community again. And, and that's just, man, I love that idea. Yeah. And, and you think like that's for so many of us, you know, you'd love to go back home, but maybe the employment opportunity isn't there. Maybe the right, you know, whether that's the money, the right feeling for what meets your why, you know? Um, so yeah, like being able to, to explore something like this. Um, and what I think it would be really cool. Uh, now that we're talking this out is maybe someone like that in that boat reaches out and says, can I get the playbook? Cause I'm going to call my mayor back home and see if he or she is interested in setting something like this up. You know, I mean, there's an opportunity to do something like that where now you've taken the initiative on your own yeah. to create something that could benefit you, but then yeah. also benefit your community. Right. Cause you look like I do, I do that and build one in my County. Right. And I do it this year, but then next year somebody else gets the benefit of the thing I helped set up. Right. And so not only have I, built that opportunity for my family, but I've also set up a, a, an enduring opportunity for other transitioning service members. Um, so yeah, you're right. It's, it's very interesting when you start digging into it about how much there is in terms of opportunity of what, what it could be once people really get into it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go on the record here while we're recording and, and, and doing this thing, Chris, I'm going to tell you, go ahead and send me the playbook. Cause we're going to start working on that here in Muskogee County, Georgia. Um, Cause that's one thing I, I'm passionate about, right? That's a, what, what you guys are both talking about is, is an issue. My wife and I have both been dealing with for the last couple of years. We're both veterans, right? We've both been out now for three. I've been out, she's been out for four. I've been out for three, but we realized about six months ago, maybe, maybe a little bit more, maybe eight months ago, we started getting the itch, right? The PCS itch. That because we've been out for three or four years, so like it's well, it's, it's time to go now, right? Like, yeah, we hadn't invested in our community, we had not invested in you know our neighbors, you know, we don't, we didn't know any of our neighbors, we were still living very much that that min, that military mentality. Um, and so we have recently flipped that, you know, and I'm working in a couple of different task force here locally, and and we're starting to get involved in the, the veteran action council and you know, doing things in our community because this is our home, right? We have now put down roots. We are here. Um, and I think that's an important piece, right? And I think that this program at the, the, the mayor level, the city, the county mayor level, the county office level, um, I think it gives a veteran an opportunity to transition um, a little more smoothly and, and, and yeah. to start, start, that, start that mindset and that mental shift of, no, we're not moving. I'm investing and I'm going to invest where I live. Right. No, I think it's great. Yeah. You know, and, and I think another piece to that is you now become an ambassador. Right? Correct. Um, and again, I've, you know, like I've heard it on the show, you know, a hundred times about, you know, the, the percentage of people that never served and like that, that military civilian, veteran civilian divide, you know, and, and that lack of understanding. Um, and this helps address that, 
right? Because now, you know, you're there, you're investing in the community, you're out there, you know, and you become an ambassador. So it's like, hey, you know, we're not all broken. We don't all have PTS, <laughs> right? Like, you know, like there are many of us, so many of us, I'd say the majority that are out there and thriving, right? Um, and want to give back to our communities. And now you're an ambassador to be able to showcase that and help people understand a little bit more about us and the value that we bring. Um, and so, yeah, I think you're right. You know, we, we throw in our roots. We say, hey, I'm here. I'm going to be here. You know, I'm going to yep. put my money where my mouth is, right? And start getting invested in the community. Um, and it's funny, I, I just did that a few weeks ago and started going to uh, county commission meetings here, right? For the same thing, you know, and I walked in and uh, one of the, the folks that we know there is like, oh, hey, so like, what role are you here? And I'm like, hey, I'm here as Chris Lancey, a citizen of, this, of the county, right? Like, um, that, that's the role I'm here as, right? Because I think you're absolutely right. You know, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to live here and I, I want to add value, then I need to, you know, step up and, and start getting engaged um, yeah. on that local level, you know? And, and I think that's a, that's a unique responsibility is a strong word, but I think it's a unique responsibility of the veteran community, right? We have a, we have a unique opportunity and a, and a unique responsibility to, to kind of sh to link arms and to show the rest of the country what unity looks like, right? Okay, what community looks like. And I think this is a great opportunity for that. Okay. We're coming down to the end. We are danger close to the end of the show. I don't know how this time flew so fast, but it did. Um, so I got to ask Chris before we let you off and before we move into another episode of, well, you, uh, <laughs> what is the one thing with reference to the governor's fellowship program to, to your transition? What's the one thing you want to leave our listeners with so that they can glean something from? I think the biggest thing, honestly, you know, and it is partly about the governor's veteran fellowship, but just in general with the transition is that understanding that you're not alone, right? Um, mm. So many of the times we, we get into this process and it can feel very isolating, right? Trying to find a job, trying to figure out uh, healthcare benefits, education, but like all these things that for many of us were just there for so many years, um, you know, and figuring that out. Um, but that isolation part is what leads us to other making other bad decisions, you know, whether that's trying to find coping in a bottle or, or whatever the case may be. And just that remembering that, Hey, you're never alone. You know, you're literally a phone call, a text message, you know, a LinkedIn message, whatever, away from somebody who has likely faced the obstacle that you're looking at and can help you get past it. Um, you know, so lean into the coaching, lean into asking for advice, you know, all those sorts of things. And just keep that in the back of your mind that even in the worst moment when you're like, man, I feel like I'm out here all by my damn self. You're not right. Someone is there right. with you. Um, and, you know, just let us know how we can help. Um, and I mean, I, I get it all the time and I'll get LinkedIn messages with folks that are like, Hey, I'm, I'm in Tennessee. I'm moving to Tennessee. I'm thinking about doing this thing. Um, and like I connect them with five people. Right. And go, Hey, I don't have to be the guy that has the answer, but I got a Rolodex, you know, going old school. I got a Rolodex, right. That I can dig into and I can connect you with some folks that probably have the answer for what you need. Um, you know, and it's just that, that thing, you know, I think the community part was such a big thing for all of us in the military. You know, you always knew you had your brothers and your sisters standing on your left and your right. Um, and you, you weren't, you know, well, I would say, I won't say you were never alone because there were times, you know, but generally you had somebody there to help you, you know, dig a foxhole or, you know, uh, you know, build a range book or whatever. Right. And that still holds true. So in that transition process, don't forget that, you know, we're all here with you and uh, you just got to let us know how we can help. I love it. And what's the best place for our audience to connect with you, brother? Honestly, probably through LinkedIn. 
Um, I mean, you can you can find me on Facebook and uh, and Instagram as well if you want to. Like with all the other stuff we do, uh, you know, like I mentioned the journalism background and stuff. So my stuff's all wide open because we do a lot of photography and, and things like that. Because um, one thing my, my wife and I are focused on is that building up community. Um, mm-hmm. and that kind of drives into like that grid square recon thing and, and trying to, to help us there. Um, and so, yeah, but LinkedIn is probably the, the easiest place to, to hit me up and then we can find information about, you know, the fellowship. If you want to know more about that, whether you're in Tennessee or you want to try and replicate it in your state, uh, that's probably the quickest spot to hit me up. Outstanding. Sean, any final thoughts, my friend? I, I told you, I told you the program was amazing and I didn't even, yeah. I don't think I understood half of it after today. I'm, I'm, I'm reconsidering moving back up to Tennessee. That's, that, that's a <laughs> phenomenal program, but I'm going to go on the record again, too. We have plenty <laughs> of room. <Come> on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go on the record too. Send that playbook to me. I can't think of a better city than Jacksonville, Florida to, to put a program like that in place. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. We'd have a tremendous thing, but Chris love what you're doing and, and love, love what Tennessee is doing. That is an amazing yeah. program that truly, once you start talking about counties and, and towns and stuff, oh my goodness, you could create such a, a statewide network of veterans that would just be amazing. How uh, cool so, would it be if we filled up our government seats with <laughs> veterans who understood this country and what it meant to serve? Oh yeah. Man. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Oh, thanks a lot, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Make sure folks you follow and subscribe to us. Uh, on YouTube and your favorite po- podcast platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Vet SOS podcast. Remember, don't uh, don't drown in a sea of transition. Grab that Vet SOS lifeline.